0: And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. And this time, it's Erica's choice.
1: Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so interested um, about today and our conversation <laughs> today um, because I specifically chose... Phantasm. I had told you earlier in the week I had narrowed it down to three choices. You did. And I had mentioned what they were. And then I was like, oh, but I'll figure it out. So after stewing on it for a little while, I ended up going with Phantasm. Specifically after I asked you if you had seen it before and you said no. You're right. Because it's just such a wild one and particularly a wild one to have like only one watch through of.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It uh there's a lot. There's a lot going on in this.
0: There's so much going on in this and also too I assumed that you had very little knowledge of what this movie was even about before going into it, which Mm -hmm. also very much excited me. (laughs) Um, And because I just think that it'll be a fun movie to have a conversation about because I've never actually talked through this movie or talked about this movie in length. And so even for me as someone who this is not my first time watching this through, I'm not even going to lie to you. There's still moments of this movie that I question and I'm still confused on what and why and who and where and what and why again why.
1: Yeah, that's understandable. Cause it has been quite a while since I have been this confused while watching a film. <laughs> uh-huh. And yeah, I mean we'll get into it when we get into the actual movie, but I'm not gonna lie. I spent a majority of this just with the phrase, what is going on? <laughs> just playing on repeat in my brain because this movie right. The way that it jumps around, skips, hops, sidesteps, mm-hmm. does the Macarena with yeah. different plot lines and characters and and themes and scenes, I I was taken on a journey. Definitely worthy of a name like Phantasm.
0: Right, right.
1: I hadn't seen the movie, and then when you brought the title, I like looked up the trailer, and the one thing that I didn't remember was i'd seen the flying orb thing before somewhere on like social media i'd seen that kill Mm -hmm. once upon a time but completely out of context so i had no idea where it came from or like what it was related to i just saw somebody get drilled by a metal ball and i was like that looks intriguing Um, (laughs) yeah but yeah i was a i was a phantasm babe going into this i had no prior knowledge um fresh watch for me
0: love that Love to hear that, and you know what? I I agree with you in the sense of there is a linear way of telling a story. Uh, Phantasm like does the wobble all over that line, <laughs> and never once goes down a clear path. Um, and it's interesting because just seeing the first one, I definitely think that there are things that happen because Phantasm at this point is a franchise yeah, uh how many never had,
1: there
0: now? i believe there are five
1: okay
0: and and there was never any intention of having sequels it, it, there i'm pretty sure there's like a 10-year gap or or so between the first and the second and the last one came out as recently as 2016 which sounds far away but for a movie that started in 1979 it's that's a pretty big like yeah decade, that's a decent like, amount of time lifespan. yeah um so it's interesting because obviously as the movies go on, there are things as with any franchise, there are things that get changed and cleared up and then uncleared up and such as a, I think, especially for a movie like this, as time goes on and they do get it, it always keeps that kind of dream-like quality where there's more so sequences that happen than a linear story there's an overall meaning to everything but i do think it still keeps that dream-like quality but i think maybe there are just more it's more linear as time goes on and some of the questions that come up in phantasm will be answered or clarified at least (laughs) as the movies go along but it is definitely a a wild movie to watch is just a contained, like one-off film, yeah. and also too, it continues to follow Mike and Reggie. That's another thing. Is oh, okay. It's always follows them as time goes on. We never veer into anybody else's story, and we also always have the the tall man as mm-hmm. a villain.
1: Okay. So. Well, yeah. I mean, I will tell you right now, um, even going into this recording. I do not know how I feel about this film. And I truly need this conversation to solidify my thoughts because I am like somewhat fresh off of watching this. I finished the movie maybe like three hours ago. So like, I'm still, Mm. I'm still reeling right now. Like I'm still dizzy. So I just need to center myself and hopefully come to some conclusion about how I'm feeling about this one hopefully through this uh
0: that's fair yeah no i hope this conversation helps clear up uh a couple of things and also maybe by the end of this you will have a better understanding of it if you like the movie if you don't like the movie or just how you're feeling in general because i do think this is definitely one that you could leave and have kind of a pretty neutral <laughs> opinion about until maybe you start to think about it um and also too I also chose this movie because I am attempting to get us into some further decades. So now, granted, this is 1979. We're right on the cusp of the 80s. It's not like we took a huge leap back in time. But if you guys know me, you know the 70s. Is kind of that time in horror that I tend to avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't want to do that forever. I do want us to cover some movies from the 70s and even further back as well. And so that's another reason that I I chose this because some of my other options were from the 80s. We just covered Killer Clowns. I -hmm. wanted to take a little bit of a step back because I think that even in Phantasm, although it's the cusp of we're almost out of the 70s, this is a very, it has elements of 80s horror. I think you can kind of tell that they were starting to transfer yeah. into what 80s horror would become. But it has a lot of 70s stylized moments for sure.
1: Oh, yes,
0: um, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another thing that I wanted to discuss um, by choosing Phantasm. But let's go ahead and and see if you can peg down how you're feeling about this the scare scale. Hmm. I I'm interested to know if you feel as though you have a definitive number on how scary you think Phantasm is.
2: <laughs> uh nope. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will do my best. Um, all right, so from one to five. Oh man, it's a little difficult to place just because I see where Phantasm is supposed to be scary but I will be right. honest. There was no point in this film where I personally was afraid. Uh, right. so I'm going to say like two and a half. I think I'm just going to go straight down the middle. because um, again, I, 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 see the moments of scares that are supposed to be there. And I wonder if it's just like a you know, generational thing or just a me thing that I wasn't afraid of a lot of the things that were supposed to be scary. Um, but yeah, I was kind of big chilling throughout this watch. So mm. for that, we'll, we'll we'll meet in the middle and do two and a half.
0: OK, that was actually very giving of you. That's <laughs> a, it's higher than I was expecting you to put it. So um, that's that's very nice of you for saying, <laughs> especially <laughs> if you're like, ah, I didn't. I, but I agree with you. You can definitely see the the moments of time where. This movie, the scares are happening. And I will say they're pretty abundant in this film. Uh, The majority of this film is just one big terrifying nightmare moment Mm -hmm. with like more moments of peace in between than vice versa. So I, I will say from past watches when I was younger, I do think that this movie kind of affected me much more than I now that I'm older. So it's mm-hmm. ex- particularly the tall man. I do remember being very scared of the tall man because he reminded me of like a uh, Reverend Crane or Kane, Reverend Kane from uh, Poltergeist, oh, who used yeah. to scare the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also kind of like I used to morph him and the tall man together. I used to like think of them as one person, and so I remember being really scared of him. Now. There are still moments that are creepy for sure and a lot of creepy imagery. So I'm going to give it actually a three. I'll give it a 3.3 because I, I agree with you in the sense of I do think, especially if you were to see it for the first time now, it's not scary per se. But I do think that there are some really effective moments that are creepy and could potentially like burrow into your brain and give you a nightmare. Mm hmm. If that makes sense, like I could see some of this sticking with you subconsciously and kind of seeping into your nightmares because I remember that happening to me when I was younger.
1: Yeah, um, I feel that. So I see what you did now. there with the burrow into your brain. I, I see you. Don't think that. It, don't think that didn't just fly across my peripherals and I didn't catch that. You one. know
0: what's crazy? What the how witty I am without even trying. Like <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> damn that's crazy that's crazy
1: (laughs) but all right y'all let's go ahead and and get into this so i can figure out where i stand uh so Mm -hmm. we are entering into spoiler territory homies and you have been warned but as we said we are talking about phantasm from 1979 this movie was written and directed by don cassarelli uh starring a michael baldwin as mike bill thornberry as jody Reggie Bannister as Reggie, and Angus Scrim as the tall man.
2: Bereaved by the loss of their parents, 13-year-old Mike can't help but follow his brother Jody's every move. But when he spies on a funeral for Jody's close friend Tommy, he notices something strange about the funeral mortician. And upon further inspection, Mike discovers something nefarious is happening at the funeral home and it's up to him, his brother, and Reggie the Ice Cream Man to stop the wicked happenings at the Morningside Funeral Home. Insert Cemetery Sexy Time, Flying Balls of Death, and Tiny Hooded Horrors Here. Our film concludes with our trio confronting the tall man and learning the funeral home secrets. But will they be able to stop the evil plot or become the tall man's next victims? Also, boy, roll credits.
0: Have you ever wanted to have sex so bad that... (laughs) you were okay with having it in a cemetery
1: (laughs) how did you know that my first note for this film was who bangs at a cemetery
0: (laughs) probably because it's my first note as well (laughs) (laughs) like come on man come on tommy and and jody
1: truly both of them and honest question homies are we are we having sex at cemeteries is this just a thing because it just doesn't seem like the most romantic spot to get busy.
0: Well, and like that's so dis- so disrespectful. Honestly, the disrespect that both Jody and Mike the Pearson brothers <laughs> show within the cemetery is actually quite perplexing because I don't know. I've always been told that you're not even really supposed to walk over the plots, like you're supposed to you know like keep to the edges to not like desecrate the the resting place of you know the dead and you're supposed to be respectful and here comes mike like (laughs) on his motorbike (laughs) And this man is, like, fucking cutting up in the cemetery, like, going around tombstones and revving all the, up and through down the aisles. Could you imagine, could you imagine <laughs> bringing flowers to your recently deceased uh, grandparent? You're upset. You lay them down. And you look over at Mike's popping fucking wheelies <laughs> through the cemetery plot how dare you
1: (laughs) at the ripe old age of 13 as well
0: (laughs) you know better your parents are buried here dog what are you doing
1: (laughs) my man's out here doing donuts on people's graves the actual audacity yeah nobody seems to care about the sanctity of funeral homes cemeteries or any of that at least not in this time period uh, maybe mm-hmm. that's something that we adopted later on. I don't know. Could be, again, a generational thing, but.
0: I guess, yeah, because like I said, I was always worried I'd be haunted <laughs> if I dared even step too close to someone I didn't know's grave. But yeah, in this one, it's a little bit more loosey goosey. Uh, the cemetery is also just kind of open at all points, it has a fence. But it seems really, really easy. I know to keep people in, I guess, because everybody, (laughs) everybody can get in very, very easily. And we see now granted. Obviously, half of our sexy time kind of situation is the tall man, like half of the equation is someone who's trying to lure them there, which just makes it
1: worse, by the way.
0: Right. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> the whole thing is honestly preposterous because. It's like the tall man, I guess, just does this on the side just for fun. <laughs> he pretends to be um, this beautiful woman who goes the, to bars. The lavender
1: woman, I believe she's yeah, referred like to as. Yeah, uh... the
0: lady, the lady in lavender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he goes to bars. He picks up young guys, brings them back to the cemetery, gets frisky with them for a little while, mm-hmm. and then stabs them and... And then after he stabs him, he turns back into his form.
1: Right, which I, that's the part where I'm not sure which would have me more upset. The fact that I'm getting murdered in this cemetery or the fact that I'm looking up from my coitus and I see the tall man's face just leering down at me. Just menacingly.
0: Pissed. <laughs> piss. He's, he's pissed. He's like, Mer. yeah. And he, I think, with <laughs> at least with Tommy, he waits until Tommy's dead. Tommy's <laughs> dead and gone. So he doesn't even know what the vibes are. But Reggie, <laughs> he turns back into the tall man. So he turns back to the tall man fast enough so that Reggie can see that it was him the whole time. And it just seems like such a fuck you moment. It's like, why'd you have to be so petty and at least make him think that, you know, it was the lady in Lavender.
1: Yeah, but at least like Reggie wasn't trying to get down.
0: no. He was just trying to help he was trying to help this girl that he thought was caught in the crosshairs. And then I, mean, I well I actually now that I think about it, maybe it would feel better to know that it was a tall man. Because otherwise you'd be like, why did she do that? Yeah, like why
1: why did you stab me? Yeah. I was being I was nice. To, I don't I even know you lady. You.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. I literally I have no idea who you are. I just <laughs> I saw you in distress and tried to help you. Maybe for him it's better that he knows that he was in fact tricked. Um but yeah, we we start off with a death right mm-hmm. away. I mean, t- 10 seconds of the movie. We have people having sex in a cemetery. Yeah. Tommy gets stabbed.
1: Which, you know, you're having sex in a cemetery, Tommy. You kind of deserve it. I'm sorry.
0: You're in the perfect place <laughs> to This die. is the risk you run. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to be having sex somewhere and then immediately die, there are two places that you want to be, either at the hospital or at the cemetery. <laughs> and he so happens to be at the cemetery. So then we hard cut to... <laughs> To his funeral, like at the the same cemetery that he was that he was having sex in, and we meet our main characters because basically Reggie, Jody, and Mike are it. Yeah, for the movie, they
1: are trio. They're the ones that we're following, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of weird to me that like I feel like Reggie was the most likable of the bunch. Uh, not to say that like Jody and Mike were bad people, it's just they kind of wild sometimes. Like I don't know if it's the way that they act, the way that they talk, but there's just something about them yeah. that there's there's a reckless abandon to both of their personalities mm-hmm. that I think under the current circumstances is okay. But I feel like on a day to day basis, I would probably dislike these two
0: for sure there's definitely something real wild and crazy kids about them and it could be partly because they no longer have parents or or i guess they no longer (laughs) have like um i should say parental figures to kind of say hey don't do that or hey don't be running just buck wild through the streets all day they don't really have that anymore i guess technically jody is up for mike but jody is ready to leave he's like i'm gonna leave mike
2: So, uh, I hear you've been out on the road. Yeah. How come you're hanging around this dump? Well, I'm taking care of the kid, you know. Shit, I think after, uh, all that action, this town would drive you nuts. You're damn right. Now that the kid's 13, uh, I'm thinking of sending him off to live with his aunt. But I'll tell you, he sure ain't gonna like it. I mean, as it is, he follows me everywhere. It's like he, he knows I'm gonna leave. He's a tough little kid. I love him. I'm going to miss him.
0: <laughs> he says that right next like two steps away from Mike he's like, "Yeah, I love my brother, but I'm going to leave him behind because mm-hmm. I just want to go." Right. <laughs> I just want to go live my life, which honestly, I it's fair. It's he didn't sign up to take care of a 13-year-old, but also at the same time like there's a there's a little bit more tact i think you could have with the situation true than to just be like i'm gonna ship him off to our aunt and i'm gonna (laughs) go back and like roam the big city
1: right but also i guess in his defense the way that mike is attached to this poor man by the hip i'd get a little fed up with the amount of uh quality time we're spending together too because this they weren't kidding when they say Mike follows Jody everywhere. Mike follows him everywhere. Doesn't matter yeah. where he goes, Mike is also about ten steps behind him. Yeah. Unapologetically too.
0: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. It it's I truly feel like like every breath you take. Simply must have been written about Mike <laughs> um, following Jody all over town um, because, yeah, there is Mike has, and I mean, Jody himself, I think, sees it that Mike has this kind of well, because Jody phrases it as it feels as if Mike knows I'm gonna leave, yeah. whereas with Mike, you can tell that he has this kind of fear that has now crept within him that because his parents died now the same thing is going to happen to jody and that he's going to be all on his own so he has this this kind of compulsion to follow jody everywhere he goes just to kind of keep an eye on him right and make sure that he's okay but it's every single where place that he goes he follows him the night that jody's hooking up with the lady in lavender he's Mm -hmm. watching which is wild
1: to me (laughs)
0: which is crazy yeah (laughs) it's
1: attachment it's, issues that's one thing uh you coming into your own voyeurism that's a whole different story my kid
0: yeah 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 that one is that one's crazy now granted <laughs> he didn't know what was what they were going to be doing but yeah he he's he's into it when it once it starts to happen i do love though when he just runs out of the woods and and jody has her underwear in his mouth and he's like what, what? <laughs> he like <laughs> pops his head up he's like what <laughs> um But yeah, he falls in there. And then like even during the day when he's when Jody's just kind of bebopping around town, Mike will kind of pass by and make sure everything's on the up and up, I suppose, and then keep it moving. It's interesting because it's hard to know. There's really no sense of time in this movie, which obviously makes sense with what we come to realize by the end of it. But for the majority of the movie, it's there is no sense of when this is taking place so it's also this bizarre feeling that none of these kids like is it summer break is it spring break yeah why don't you you have to to go to school yeah (laughs) (laughs) what are you guys doing um because mike at least should be doing something else but it seems as though he spends all day working on cars and also he's 13 jody lets him drive the car, and when I say Mike does not ever stay within a lane, I truly mean it. <laughs> There's a shot of him driving in the beginning, and he is just in the middle of the road, riding both lanes <laughs> before pulling into the driveway. <laughs> I'm like, what? Say, what? Mike's kind
1: of a menace to society.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which which fits for it, it, it's it's funny because. In reality, he would be the worst kid. Like, you know, it, it just just to be around because of how how much just tomfoolery and shenanigans he gets into, he would be very frustrating. But that type of a personality works perfectly for a headstrong like final boy type where he has to be very proactive Mm -hmm. about the situation so like that works perfectly for the movie in the situation but yeah realistically mike would be just the worst
1: yeah it's kind of a little um but under but
0: also granted his parents did
1: die (laughs) that's what i was gonna say is like that all that being said you know he has gone through some trauma So I do give them a little bit of, I cut them a little bit of slack for that. Um, But it's true. Like these, both of these brothers like really operate on a set of rules that only apply to them. And they also dictate what these rules are. So it's like, it works very well once shit hits the fan. And like, there are nefarious things about, we have two characters who will do whatever they want and whatever it takes to win. Uh, and that's very useful in the scenario, but yeah, these, these boys, uh, they, you, you can tell, ain't nobody telling them (laughs) no anymore. Uh, they kind of get their own way. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. I feel like Mike and Jody just needed to chill, calm down, (laughs) lay off the ice cream, lay off the, (laughs) lay off the alcohol and just relax. And I honestly think that would have solved a lot of their problems in this movie. Mike probably wouldn't even be caught up in this situation if my man's (laughs) just taking a little de-stressor. I feel like they needed a magic mind.
1: Personally. That would have helped out. It would have definitely centered them, given them a bit more focus, you know, aligned the things that needed to be in line. Because, again, these characters were wild Wild.
2: they just need to
1: tone it down a little bit yes. magic mind's the perfect little elixir to help you do that yeah
0: yeah so thank you to magic mind for sponsoring today's episode and helping us to relax and focus and get an energy boost from this little magic elixir that you can take every single day either shooting it straight from the bottle or you can mix in with your daily intake of regular caffeine. So you could have it with your coffee alongside your coffee. You could have it in a latte, mix it in with some sparkling water, et cetera, et cetera. However you would like to intake your magic mind is completely up to you. But regardless, you will get a boost of energy. You will get some relaxation, some focus, and some stress relief.
1: Great natural ingredients from matcha, ashwagandha, lion's mane mushrooms, cordyceps mushrooms. A lot of things that are great for centering your mind, getting focused, and being able to assess situations properly. Which is, again, something that I wish the characters in this Mm -hmm. movie would have done a little bit more of. And I think had they had a little bit of magic mind, it probably would
2: have helped them out.
0: Yeah, honestly, I feel like uh, get a little caffeine boost. Uh, it's just enough to get you through whatever you need to get done. So in Mike's case, break into the funeral home. But it's also not, it's not too much of a boost where you're going to be awake all night and you'll have good dreams, which also Mike desperately needed um so needless to say we wish these characters could have had magic mind unfortunately they didn't but that doesn't mean that you can't if you guys would like to give this a try we have a code for you you can use our code homies of horror h-o-m-i-e-s-o-f-h-o-r-r-o-r and that is in all caps you can use that at checkout for 20 percent off your purchase Or you can use our link, www.magicmind.co slash homiesofhorror. If you would like to give those a try, um, please go ahead and use our code or our link once again for 20% off your purchase. And thank you again to Magic Mind.
1: I I guess kind of veering from the characters just slightly, um, just to talk about something you mentioned, the way time works in this movie and just like kind of the nature or i guess the stylized nature of this film because that's one of the things that really had me confused while watching it um i feel like the movie takes itself very seriously but is clearly heightened in several places but it's also funny in other places like it kind of bounces around different genres and ideas a lot at least in my opinion um and I think as a whole it does work because it puts you into this like dream state that you were talking about before mm-hmm. but I feel like for a conceptual like I'm trying to get the plot down of this thing boy does it make it difficult to stay along for the ride
0: No that's that's a very fair I I think this movie to me is like a fantasy horror mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's because it very very much starts to lean into that Fantasy, this is of another world type of feeling that gives it permission to kind of do whatever and still have it be acceptable. It kind of reminds me of like um the Never Ending Story. I was literally about
1: to say that. I, was like, <laughs> I feel like I'm watching Never Ending Story, the horror movie.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Because it has that same weird, I'm almost not, this isn't really happening but it feels like it's really happening kind of an element where it almost feels like just a tale that's being told Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of along for the ride but at the same time you're almost only getting the foot the footnotes of the story you're not it's like in school when you're like oh i got a spark notes like uh jane Eyre" because i didn't read it (laughs) like that's what this feels like where you get just the the Bits and bobs that are the most important. And then the extra elements are cut out, which to be fair is kind of the shooting style that we ended up having because a lot of this was shot um, on the weekends. Yeah. And and a lot of this, this was a much longer story that ended up having to be edited down mm-hmm. quite a bit. And so I think a lot of that in between stuff got Put on the editing floor it ended yeah. up just cut out of it and also too there was not always a very there wasn't always a solid script it was ever changing i don't think that there was like a an ending quite nailed down from the beginning and i think that everybody was kind of learning on this movie as it went along and I think that shooting style heavily bleeds into the film. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether you like that or not, I feel like will be decided throughout the movie, but I definitely think that there's a lot of that kind of, it feels like there's pieces missing, which fits fits perfectly for a nightmare kind of story where nothing ever quite feels whole and nothing ever quite makes sense and if and that and that's the way that it is supposed to be but as you're watching along like I said particularly on a very first watch and you don't know that that's what we're going for you don't know that that's our end goal it does feel very much like what are we doing here (laughs) like what what are we what are we where is this going and what is the kind of point of all of this i feel like it's very easy to feel that throughout this movie Mm. especially for the first half i do think by the time yeah i'm like by the time the second half comes around i do think you've gotten enough information and that's when it really starts to become a little bit more we're following a story the first half is a lot of just imagery Mm -hmm. at the end of the day yeah
1: fun imagery and cool imagery a lot of just imagery but yeah the moment we get blood fountain head i think we're good (laughs) because like Mm -hmm. that now we have some very distinct like good versus bad things going on here We don't exactly know what's going on but there's enough here to like latch on it and be like okay there is a clear plot that we're following now there's something happening right. at the funeral home and we're trying to figure out what's going on there i can latch on to that before then it was no man's land it was it was a wild ride of dream imagery and and again very cool and i like the shooting style and especially you know big old props to don because he's what like 23 when he shot this film like he was mm-hmm. mad young when he shot this so like The fact that it looks as pretty as it does, even today, I still give a lot of credit because the visuals in this are are great. They're fantastic. It's just, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep up with in places. Um, But I felt like for me, again, being the first time watcher here, once I kind of let go and allowed myself to just get kind of carried away by the current of this movie, it is fun. Like, it's fun Mm -hmm. to just not know where we're going to go next, not know what's about to happen in the next scene, and then get very surprised by whatever happens in that subsequent next scene. It's fun. Like, even with, after Mike breaks into the funeral Mm -hmm. home, again, another moment of him being a little shit where he decides, you know what, something weird's going on here. I'm going to just kick open, (laughs) I'm going to kick this window (laughs) and fucking jump in here. But after Mm -hmm. he does all that, he cuts off the finger and then brings that home. That whole sequence with the finger monster and the garbage disposal.
0: Yeah. I loved it. It's wild.
1: It's It's wild wild. as fuck, but I loved it.
0: It's so interesting because that scene to me always feels, with everything that happens (laughs) in this movie, that is the one scene where I'm like, this feels like it's from a totally different movie. It's... It just feels like we are having some kind of a situation that it's like everything else is from one specific dream that Mike is having. And then it's like for this particular part, it's like he took too much melatonin (laughs) and now he's having a crazy (laughs) why? like all of his dreams are blending together because you get this giant fly creature that is not seen or implied to be part of any other scenario within this film. (laughs) It's like, where did this come from? Because we do see, I think even by the end of this, although there are still a lot of question marks, I do actually feel like by the end of this movie, you know quite a bit about the tall man and kind of the environment that he comes from and what his end goal is. I think that at least we know that. And there are these like very specific little minions that he has. And and then we kind of know that he is not quite human. We know that he can grow like uh, that his blood is yellow and that he can regenerate and all of these things. And then you have a big old fly who <laughs> is just so powerful and and is so pissed off and angry and upset that never comes back ever nope. again. <laughs> and it's like, okay,
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, It's but it's shit like that that is so wild to me about this film where it does that, again, unapologetically. It will just throw mm-hmm. scenes in there that were like, we wanted to have this here that's why uh, yeah. it it just feels like a fun sequence that we're just going to add in and it may or may not come back around later on and yeah once we get to the end like you said a lot of things do kind of make more sense in context um but that's like a 5 minute sequence over mm-hmm. a creature that we're never going to see again that has no no stake yes. in the grand story whatsoever
0: Yes, and a creature that is wrapped in a towel for the majority of the scene is just our characters wrapping it in a towel and being kind of flung around by this towel, is most of the scene. But yeah, it's this whole, becomes a whole fight scene between three adults, kind of, and a fly and a big old <laughs> fly. And it's, you know what, it's so, I think, charming to me about this movie is. I do think that there is that element of heightened like heightened reality or a heightened world and there is this very stylistic way of shooting and it does take itself seriously. Yeah. But in the same vein, it is willing to have fun with itself and like And just say, I want to do this because I want to do this. And and I'm going to let people, you know, feel the way that they want to feel about this. And even things like that, where I think, oh, that doesn't make sense because of it in the grand scheme of things and the story that they're weaving. I'm willing to accept it and forgive it. And I don't know, for some reason, that gives it this feeling of really it's like a a childlike wonder almost that I feel like when I watch this movie and it feels like it's coming from a very like adventurous kind of loving place like I when I watch this I feel like every single scene that happens in this movie whether it makes sense or not or if it's ridiculous or not everybody on screen and everybody who's working behind the scenes I just feel like there is so much care and like love put into it that this never feels pretentious Mm. and i think that that's my big thing sometimes with movies like this are i feel like there's this huge substance or i'm sorry style over substance element where it feels like people just wanted to make something that looked beautiful regardless of if there was a story involved or if the story even fucking matters and sometimes that can work but i think a lot of times it comes off feeling just a little bit kind of like uppity Mm -hmm. and a little bougie for my liking, a little bougie for my tastes. But I never feel like that with Phantasm. Mm -hmm. It always feels just really, really like
1: attainable.
0: Yeah, yeah, like honest and earnest. And and I I love that about this movie. It
1: definitely feels like, you know, you got a director-writer who wanted to make this movie, even if he didn't necessarily know exactly what it was going to be. He knew what he wanted to make and was willing to put in the blood, sweat and tears to do that. And I Mm -hmm. think when you have that sort of energy attached to a movie, even if the movie is good or bad, it's inevitable that it will have that that endearing factor to it because you know that, you know, they put their their heart and soul into it. And like even the stories that you read about this film about them only working the weekends because that's what they could fucking afford, you know and then how long it took and how much was cut out to make it work as like a tangible, like people will actually watch this hour and a half movie rather than my three hour grand opus, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at least you can tell, like you said, that there's love involved in this. And like that's that's yeah. the beauty of filmmaking where it's like whether your movie's good or not, as long as you love your film and you love making your film, like good for you, you know, and I do think that energy, you're right, it bleeds into this film because it always feels like, despite how crazy it gets, it clearly has a story that it's trying to tell. And by the end of it, once you, I do think once you do get to the ending and see kind of the themes that the movie is um, experimenting with, it, it really reels it in and brings it home. And I think it attacks a more heartfelt place of like Mm. grief and remorse and like those feelings of like what what it's like to lose people and you know it's a stylized way of going about it but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day what the movie the core of the movie is still coming from a pure and honest place and I do appreciate that I appreciate that a lot um yeah that being said I, I there are things in this movie that had me scratching my head questioning. I'm not going to yeah. lie. <laughs> no, let's,
0: let's go ahead. Let's go through some of them. Let's knock them out and see if we can get some answers for you. Well,
1: I mean, I, I guess one of the big ones for me, and this is one that just stuck out like a sore thumb, um, was a little bit of the relationship between Mike and Jodi. Um, it's just some of the parental methods of Jody are questionable to me. Um, one particular one being the fact that I can't even count the amount of times that Jody would either A, lock Mike in the house or send <laughs> Mike somewhere mm-hmm. to not be involved in the current plot to then have Mike just get involved anyway.
2: Thank right. Mike
1: for being involved and then proceed and then lock to again. lock him up again and just keep repeating yeah. that for the last hour of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, Um <laughs> yeah, Jody was giving some very big mother Gothel energy every time Mike just wanted to do anything to be helpful. Jody was like, "But what if I locked you up in a tower? <laughs> like, what would you do then?" And he would do it. And what, did, what would Mike do? Either Mike would break himself out, or he would get attacked because the at that point in time, like the tall man was gunning for Mike. Yeah. I mean. He was he was running up anytime he could, so yeah, it's very strange how Jody, very much about this movie, kind of puts Mike into this "you're a little kid, I need to protect you" bubble, despite the fact that Mike honestly ends up saving Jody majority of the time in this film. He usually comes through kind of clutch, or even just saves himself, and I mean now once you find out that this was all just a big kind of um like grief-stricken long f- fantasy sequence for for Mike and that Jody was not involved in any of this at least in real life um or in the real world then it makes more sense of why they were consistently being split up mm-hmm. and like why Mike was always ending up Having to kind of save himself a lot of times is because Jody wasn't actually even really there. But in the in the confines of watching it play out in the film, it is really fucking weird because you're like, Jody, just let him cut. wouldn't it be better for him to be with you <laughs> than for you to just leave him alone at the house and just hope that he's? Okay, I mean, you you already sent him off with your two friends. Got both of them fucking kidnapped. (laughs) Mike got tossed out of a moving car
1: (laughs) twice, (laughs)
0: twice and was unconscious in the streets. And then as soon as he comes home and he's like, hey, shit's popping off. I love how Jody is like throws him over his shoulder, throws him into his room. And then locks him in. It's like, so if what he can't get out, if something bad happens, <laughs> right. like, he's just stuck.
1: Um. Also, I got to ask the hammer, the hammer shotgun. And what does that work? <laughs> Would that actually work? I'm not okay. going to try it. But would that work? <laughs> um,
0: Mythbusters, have you guys tried this one out yet or not? Because uh, what is it? He takes he, the shotgun He takes the shell. shotgun
1: shell. He puts a nail in. Th- okay. It, nail.
0: I couldn't tell if it was a nail or a tack. One, but of, yeah, the something was one, one of the two. It was one of the two.
1: He inserts something into the shotgun shell, attaches that by tape to a hammer, and then slaps the hammer against the door, and that simulates explodes simulates yeah a gun explosion which even if in my head even if that worked i feel like his hands are gone like i feel like mike no longer has hands after that
0: oh immediately and that's where we get a little bit that's when we're really into like imagination (laughs) because yes and realistically if that were to actually work mike would have his whole shit blew back (laughs) like he would be gone he would be just in pieces if that was if that was real um, and and I guess it could potentially work if he did it with enough force. I feel like the only thing that's missing, though, is like that spark. Yeah, because isn't that what you would have what you need to, to actually like like I understand the boom, right? Or the bang. Like, yeah, that is necessary. But I think. I imagine. You would still need some a spark of some sort, some fire of some sort. I'm not sure. Look,
1: that plan to me was absolutely ridiculous, but I am more than willing to concede on that point if somebody who has more gun anatomy than me can explain yeah. to me why that works. Because I saw that and I called bullshit. I was like, no fucking I mean,
0: way. <laughs> and and the thing about it is I wouldn't be surprised if it could to some Kind of like especially now. I don't know what shotgun shells were like in the seventies. Maybe they were a little bit more volatile. <laughs> Maybe they were a little bit more. You had to be careful. I, I I really don't know. But yeah, it it just it really looks like a magic trick. I think that's the thing about it is it really does look like poof, and all of a sudden it's like and ooh a hole in the door. <laughs> A perfectly sized hole for a thirteen-year-old's hand to squeeze through, but yeah, that is when we start to get really into um Mike, Mike's kind of dream scenario. Mike cannot <laughs> be stopped.
1: My <laughs> yeah, man is Mike a full-on lucid dreamer because he's just getting every. Because even the hammer being there had me tripped up from the beginning of that scene. I was like, why are you just randomly got a hammer?
0: right right no it's yeah it's a little (laughs) it's it's wild also the the fireplace is consistently on Mm -hmm. in this in this home like the way that they are always all meeting up in front of the fire is so (laughs) is so funny to me because they all like reconvene right in front of the fire and have a little chit chat a little like carpet chit-chat before all going yeah. off on their separate ways. <laughs> <Little pow-wows.
1: laughs> also, they have a ton of guns as well. And um, I don't know necessarily how I felt about uh, Jody's gun safety.
0: Pep talk. Pep talk, mm-hmm. talk with
1: Mike. I don't know if that was necessarily the way to go. But again, I'm a I'm not someone who's super familiar with guns, so I'm going to let that one go. Um,
0: it, it, I was going to say, it seemed like I their parents were probably hunters because they also have like half of a jaguar sticking out of the fucking wall, <laughs> like or half of some big cat. It like taxidermied and stuck up on the wall. So I have to imagine that their parents were probably hunters or, or something because yeah. otherwise, why do you have a whole jungle cat? Um, stuffed and mounted on your wall. True.
1: And that handgun was pulled straight out of John Wick because that thing had the power of Thor behind every single bullet with the sound effect. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) That shit was blowing holes in universes. I was like, good God.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sending them back to their home planet. (laughs) Yeah. The,
1: another thing that I wrote down was I get the idea of the Minions However, it could just be a me thing. I could so clearly tell that these were children playing these characters. Yeah. And it just killed every scare factor for me in regards to yeah. them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's little kids in um, cloaks. And I don't... It's just another one of those things that's just kind of bizarre. And so... It makes sense like I do kind of love the idea of it instead of it just being like regular people running around because um, I do think it adds a kind of different element to it where you think, OK, why is this happening? And then the explanation is is kind of <laughs> wild for it as well, because we <laughs> we get to because they ask multiple times. They're like, Why? Like, who are these little like minions running around? And we see at one point that one of them is Tommy. And so it's like, what? how did How did Tommy get like this? We last saw him in his coffin, and he was fine. <laughs> and I mean, he was dead, but he was fine. And now he is is like, shrunken down. And then you also find out that that also happened to their parents, um, because Jody and Mike both check to see or I don't think Jody I don't remember if Jody does but Mike checks mm-hmm. I think Jody like pulls it out but I can't remember if he actually looks or not but um, we find out because Mike looks through the giant tuning fork to see into the, in the other dimension and he sees the tall man's home planet and that basically slaves don't use them number slaves And they gotta crush them because of the gravity and the heat. And this is the door to their planet. Yeah. Because of the heat and the gravity, they have to shrink them to a very specific size to withstand that on the planet so that they can be slaves and, like, just do whatever needs to be done on the planet for, I guess, the overlords of that planet, which the Tall Man is. And so that's why that has to happen.
1: Right, right, right. Um. Also, they're dead, but sure, 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 right. sure, sure, sure.
0: They're dead, but it's uh, it's like they are now mind-controlled because that's another thing that they kind of touch on in this one and then gets... Kind of fleshed out later on is this whole like tele telepathic connection that the tall man has, and so it's this idea that he can he kind of controls okay like, all of them and they even kind of play with it a little bit with like Mike and Jody because that part where Mike flies out of the car and I guess they're supposed to Jody is supposed to kind of feel that something wrong is happening with Mike it's not super clear though because Jody continues to just sit there like he doesn't give a fuck <laughs> right? that his brother but that yeah, his brother just got tossed eventually. into <laughs> got tossed into the street but it's like they try and imply that they can he can tell that something is wrong and that I guess he kind of helps. Mike wake up
2: Yeah, um,
0: because Mike is like unconscious for a little while. But yeah, it's supposed. I think it's supposed to be that the tall man is controlling them. They're no longer in control of their bodies. They're more so just vessels at this point in time than anything else. Got
1: you. But I just feel like even with like the mind control and the dream sequence like motif here, there's so much convenience in this plot. Um, Even talking about that moment in general, why did they open the the car door?
0: Oh, I know. Okay, so you have, like, Sally and Sue (laughs) or whatever. Susie and Sally, who are meant to be babysitting Mike and pretty but pretty quickly or he wants to go home and they're like yeah we'll take you home i do love these driving shots because it honestly looks like they're driving through a void and for some (laughs) reason i just love that shit it just i mean it definitely plays into that whole this is not like we're kind of floating through time and space Mm -hmm. sort of feeling and so i do actually really love the way that the driving sequences look in this because it does look like they're just driving through the abyss and that shot is really cool of like reggie's ice cream truck turned over and seeing like mike and silhouette mm-hmm. and then like him coming back to the car but yeah he goes back to the car and there's just all this scuffling outside and one of the s's i can't remember which girl it is Doesn't opens the who. door <laughs> opens the door and gets absolutely <laughs> it's like a f- clown car it's like all of a sudden <laughs> there's four minions just kind of run in and are all up on them there's one that's just choking Mike and he's like "Ah, (laughs) he's like being throttled, absolutely this like man <laughs> held up, like
1: apart. fucking Triple H or <laughs> fucking Undertaker.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like uh like um Homer when he chokes Bart. <laughs> That's <laughs> what's going on in the back seat, and then the other girls are getting just absolutely slapped in the front. It's hard to tell what is happening, but at one point, <laughs> at one point, I don't know if it's meant to be implied that the that the little like watchers drove the car away or if one of them just like slammed on the gas, <laughs> but the car just peels out and Mike flies through the back window.
1: <laughs> Shit is wild. Absolutely wild. And, like, there's just so many of those sequences throughout the film and it yeah. would take forever to really just point out every little thing because again, dream sequence. So a lot of this stuff is going to be weird. It's not going to sit right because it's not supposed to. And, like, once you get to the end, I do get that. But even the ending sequence, like, there's just, like, so many things going on. The fact that we're, like, jumping planets now, we're walking Mm -hmm. through tuning forks, and just, like, there's just so much happening that But I feel like while I was watching it, I was just, my brain could not keep up.
0: Right, with
1: the amount of things that we're supposed to be ingesting here, and it's just I don't, I don't know. Like (laughs) I just like I'm still in this place of, I get what the movie's trying to do, but I still don't know if I like it because I know how many things I'm forgiving, Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of like. Plot con- continuity and like mm-hmm. the way that things are shot and and all this stuff like there's so there's so much forgiveness happening here, but I did still like the film. Yeah. But I, ca- I just can't quantify why. <laughs>
0: right. I just I'm telling you, it just has this like charm about it or something that just makes you engaged with what's going on. And it just kind of makes it fun mm-hmm. to watch just everything happening. Because even things. Yeah, you're right. That ending sequence is is bonkers, um, particularly to be the and especially because you think that has ended quite a few times or that they've successfully accomplish what they needed to do three different times before realizing there's still a whole finale That, that they need to that's the one
1: part that i will objectively not forgive is the movie does feel long to me
0: i think once you get to the ending bit it just i think you can before we get to like the definitive ending i think you it just almost feels like they wanted to try a lot of different things and ended up trying all of the things which um isn't, you know, isn't bad, but I I do definitely see how that can feel like it kind of goes on and on and on. Um, Like, and even just the whole thing with, Chekhov's tuning fork <laughs> like why what? what this whole thing with reggie singing with his friend earlier in the movie and mm-hmm. doing this whole thing with the tuning fork and that comes back later where it's a giant tuning fork and he just holds it and stops the <laughs> the sound and then even with all that because it seems like okay that sends them back to the first first of all the car explodes with the tall man and it doesn't kill him mm-hmm. and then the whole house gets sent back to the dimension mm-hmm but he's still there and then they have to send him down the mine mm-hmm. that kills him. But then he's still alive at the <laughs> yep. end, um, which I mean, it's just one of those things where he is an unkillable, <laughs> an unkillable character, but in the grand scheme of feeling like we need to have a definitive Get rid of him. Do something. It's just... Yeah, there's three different ones of those. And the, having the end scare is fine. That's kind of expected yeah. in, in movies, at this, at this especially around this time. It was starting to become more popular. That was a pretty cool but one, too. I, I enjoyed the mirror cool. shot.
1: I thought it was pretty dope.
0: It is really cool because I do think that it is a little bit more it's different it's because it's like you do kind of expect that just the jump out and Mm -hmm. the grab but you don't you get something else too where it's like you see him in the mirror but then he's not in the mirror he's in the room and then but there is something in the mirror it's cool um i really like it plus i just love hearing him say boy Boy. (laughs) (laughs) because it's like uh love that but yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a lot going on in this, this ending sequence. It's also interesting because you have these extra characters. This is a time, like with Sally and Susie, this is a time where you could introduce some other sequences as far as like chases or things happening with, with other people that they don't do. They Reggie right. kind of just helps them off screen and then we're back to our, our three which works i i think it actually kind of works um because i think in the at the end of the day the relationship between the three is what is most important here mm-hmm. and kind of what happens with them but it is an it is an inter- interesting choice to have kind of this this ability to have a pretty grand kind of ending within the funeral home And for the most part, that doesn't really happen. It's like a lot happens in that one room where we see the new dimension. Reggie kind of sucks everything back there. And then it comes outside of the funeral home, which does make me laugh because Mike and Jodi are both like, Jodi, where are you? Mike, where are you? And then at one point he turns around and Mike was just standing behind him (laughs) basically the whole time. Like They were standing next to each other the whole time that that is happening. And it's just so funny. I mean, of course, the implication is meant to be that they may be like, we're walking the whole time, but they're not. They're they, We don't ever see them walking. We see them in one place screaming yep. for each other. And then they see each other. And then Reggie is literally right in front of the house dying. And they're like, we've got to find Reggie. And then Jody goes, there he is, over there. He's dead.
1: We gotta go. <laughs> He's
0: dead. There's nothing we can do for him. It's like, oh damn <laughs>
1: <laughs> the implication that these three were just like meters apart from each right. other <laughs> while this whole sequence is happening it's is fantastic. honestly fucking hilarious
0: uh, it's fantastic it's honestly what i, I hope that's what was happening <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but okay i think to to try and round out my thoughts here we have to discuss like the ending and like what i guess the movie's supposed to mean Because that has been the justification through a lot of this conversation is like the things that have bugged me or the things that confused me um, all kind of come together at the end when it's revealed that this is all basically one big dream. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I want to ask you, as somebody who's seen this before, what did what what is your takeaway from the ending with Reggie and and Mike having their conversation? Like, what is this movie
2: supposed to be?
0: So basically, I think what was intended, because I do think that it is meant to be like, it was all a dream. I do (laughs) think that that's what they're trying to do. I I do think that that was originally with this being a one-off film, that that was the idea to kind of just give it extra shock moment and honestly, maybe be kind of polarizing and say... Everything that you just watched, I hope you liked it. But it didn't happen that way. I, for me personally, the way that I like to think of it is, I do think that this whole movie is just kind of meant to symbolize like grief and the way that we handle that. I think, particularly as a child, kind of trying to like compartmentalize your grief and deal with it in a way that kind of takes you mentally out of it because i do think a lot of times like fantasy imagination escaping and and kind of reframing things the way that we want to see them is how is helpful for for people who go through like traumatic experiences and you have this character of mike who has lost not only both of his parents but now his brother and now really has nobody in his life except for reggie and so i think that There is an element of this where Jody has not been a participant in anything that has been going on. He has been dead for this entire time. And and Mike has just been having these dreams and these imaginative states where he has kind of imagined them fighting back against the tall man who I think is kind of supposed to signify like death Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, And so kind of like fighting back against that. And Mike particularly trying to protect those he cares for against death and like kind of find a way to overcome it, even though like you can't, there's nothing you can do about death. It's you can't fight it. It's not a tangible thing that you can like prevent. And so I think that's why the tall man is kind of unbeatable is you can't get rid of death um, but at the same time, I do think because of the way that we have the ending ending, I do think that even if it wasn't happening in real life does not mean that the tall man was not doing what he was doing and was not still kind of like infiltrating Mike and in his mind I do think that all that did happen in his dreams. And I do actually think that he was going up against the tall man. It just never bled into real life until the very end. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think. I think that the end is the only time that he goes against the tall man in the real world. And then, but I think that's because he was actually, everything that was happening in the dream was true as far as like who the tall man is and what he was doing and him kind of like fighting back against him i do think that all of that was true but it just wasn't happening in the real world it was just happening all in like um uh on the astral plane the you know what i mean <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> um that's what i think um
1: okay and
0: that's and that's taking this movie just as it is completely foregoing anything that happens in the future because mm-hmm. obviously there would have been nothing else to go at off of at the time yeah. and so yeah that is that's what i think is that a lot of what happened was joe or was mike's creation but i think because of what he created he unknowingly kind of stumbled upon a, a dark truth that then bleeds into his real life okay. is kind of how i
1: and I, I think that for the most part tracks with what I ended up like sitting with at the end of mm-hmm. like this being one um, grief stricken boy's last adventure with his brother in a way through this mythical space against the tall man. And just, you know, his battle with his own feelings towards loss and the fact that he doesn't have these people anymore. Um, that stuff tracks for me and I do think the idea of this is a real battle but it's only a real battle for him I'm kind of cool Mm -hmm. with that I think what and I maybe I'm just looking too much into it or maybe it's one of those through lines that got lost um, with the cuts of this film is earlier on when we get the conversation with basically the fortune teller grandmother and like that whole sequence about Mike's what Mike does with fear and how he approaches fear and how he handles fear and what that has to do with anything by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think connecting the dots there. I'm still a little bit finicky on because I, yeah. it, it, it it again feels like two different ideas in the same movie that may have been for two different like plot lines or things. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, my thoughts on that, because I actually did write down that line, is she says, fear is the killer. It was all in your mind. I think the idea is that is that at the end of the day, Mike is so fearful of this thing that is inevitable. And that is kind of like keeping him locked up and like in this place is that he's so fearful of death and now he's like, oh, and now I'm going to die. And like all these things where he is obviously dealing with some some crazy shit. But I do think that there is an idea of like this is always going to kind of lock you in place if you're just going to allow fear to like control you. This fear of death to control you and control your life because you can't control this. It's just it is just the way that it is. Um, and of course like the it was all in your mind is just yeah kind of, you know, like out like literal. it's just like yeah, that's pretty literal. But I do think the fear is the killer thing is that yeah, it's like you can you shouldn't be afraid of this. You can be afraid of this thing, but I just don't like, but don't let that control you. Sort of a thing, because I do think that it's only through his adventures of like, obviously, like I said, he doesn't actually destroy the the tall man, but in a way. It's like him being courageous and fighting back, at least in his mind, is what helps him save himself and his brother. Like, no, that's not what actually happened, but I do think that there is an element of like, that's what breaks him out of that. That's when we see him like come back to reality is I think when he like moves past that fear and kind of faces it and kind of defeats it in a way. And then that's the first time that we see him kind of like accept things as they are. Like accept that Jody is actually dead. His parents are dead. Everybody dead. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about it? Kind of a thing. <laughs> and so I think that is what they're trying to say. Now whether that it comes across um you know it was a whole other thing but i I, at least for me i think that that was the idea is that for a lot of this movie he does let this fear like control him and debilitate him and keep him kind of locked in this very specific place in his mind so much so that he doesn't even want to admit what has truly happened Mm -hmm. and then i think eventually he comes to like an acceptance of things the way that they
1: are okay 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 think i can i think i can roll with that
0: (laughs) you think you can let that one slide yeah because like i
1: don't i don't disagree with any of that um Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where of course i need to watch this movie again like i need to i need to get more watches under my belt to really like look at some of this stuff and like really take in some of these themes and like with the knowledge that i have now apply it to subsequent watches and see what i get um because like my biggest fear for this film. And this is coming from an honest place is that it's a fun movie that go- has a fun adventure. Um, but at the end, we get the it was all a dream band aid slapped mm-hmm. on it to just kind of justify the absolute like lunacy of this story. Um, I hope that that's not the case and that this all being a journey about grief and acceptance was the initial plan. Um, Cause mm. in that regard, then I think that bumps up how much I enjoy the movie and how how much more I appreciate the film because that's what it had in mind. Whereas I think with the former idea, that it's very easy to, and we've seen it in other movies in the past where it's just like the, none of this actually happened is more just like a fix for things that didn't actually work. Um, And again, I'm leaning towards that not being the case for Phantasm, but Mm -hmm. in the same vein, I'm not entirely sure yet off of just one watch, you know?
0: Right. Well, I will say Phantasm, the name, does mean a product of fantasy fantasy. illusion. Yeah, and I mean, now granted, I don't know, Phantasm was always gonna be the name of this movie. (laughs) But if that was always the plan to have that be the name and, you know, then maybe then I would lean more towards the idea that at least on some level, it was always known that this would be kind of a fantasy or an illusion of some sort. Now, whether we knew how that would pan out or not. I don't know. I don't think that that was always the case. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it was always leaning in that direction of like, somehow this is not what, this is not what it seems. Right.
1: And if it is that way, cool. Because I do think in that regard, there are certain things that I think get elevated by that. Um, one in mm-hmm. particular being Reggie's death, where um, Reggie being the caretaker at the end kind of threw me for a loop while watching but i think after sitting with it for a little bit the idea that he dies during the illusion um but comes back at the end um could in some way symbolize mike's fear of losing the one person Mm -hmm. that he has left now um which i really like and i really enjoy and so that's why i'm just like if a lot of this crazy wackiness was planned, like thoroughly planned, right, then I think I appreciate the movie more. But if it's just one of those yeah. things that like, we figured out a way to make all of this actually you know, stick together um, it kind of lessens the experience for me. So. Yeah.
0: Well and that was what I was saying too, where I think um, with Like even just those girls and and just hearing all of that after the fact and having that happen off screen. I do actually think that makes a lot of sense for it being a dream for Mike is it's like those people aren't important to his story and -hmm. they're not important to his what needs to happen. He don't care about those people like he doesn't know them. It's more of like just an implication that this is bigger than or that there are still people that are being affected by this. And it's like, Oh, we have to put a stop to this. But I do think that that makes sense of why it happens off screen. And we only focus on Jody, Mike and Reggie for majority of this movie is because those are the relationships that are important to Mike. Those are the ones that he cares about. And those are the only ones that matter kind of to him of whether they like live or die. And so I, I do think if you think of it in that regard, then I'm like that that's the kind of stuff where I feel like any other time I would be kind of bummed that we didn't get to see <laughs> that sequence of that escape or, or seeing these people deal with the situation but because of the story that we have here. I'm much more OK and accepting of of that idea. Um so, yeah, I and like I and also, I, I mean, I any other time the whole it was just a dream would piss me off. But it works for me in this film, um, I think, just because of the grand scheme of of what they're trying to to tell. I mean, it, and, and the more I think about it, this movie really is fucking reminding me of the never ending story, because, I mean, that whole movie is all about grief yeah. and like <laughs> and, and dealing with that as a child. And like that whole thing is literally just a story that like yeah comes to life but at the end of the day is more so there as a tool for our character to deal with the grief that he is not doing well with and I feel like it's a similar situation here where this horrific story is more so a tool for Mike to accept some harsh truths and Even though it it a lot of what is actually happening isn't really happening, I do think because of how much I love the imagery of it Mm -hmm. and how much the stylistically, I do think it kind of comes through when you think about it all at the end. I appreciate it, and I'm like much more willing to accept it than I might be in other other circumstances.
1: True, true, Uh, and so for that. For that fact, I, uh, you know, I, I, I lean towards appreciation for the film, but I do stick Mm -hmm. through, or I stick to the notion that even if this is just Mike's nightmare adventure, uh, he wild in this and he'd be doing some wild and saying some wild shit.
0: (laughs) He is, yeah, he is wild and out, but also too, I do want to talk about the tall man a little bit because, um, I really like him as a villain.
1: True, true. He's fun. I
0: really. I really like the tall man. I like it because it's like he he has so many human qualities to him despite not actually being human. And there's something creepy about him being kind of all-knowing, all-seeing. I can be anywhere, but still running and being very, like, (laughs) human in the way that he approaches kind of getting people, but also at the same time knowing that just because he doesn't catch you in this moment doesn't mean that he's not going to be around the corner or in this bush. And also, too, he has that just very stern kind of malice look to him where he just feels like a grumpy old man who would be just kind of like intimidating as a child anyway. Mm -hmm. And then you add on all this other stuff. Plus, I don't know, the way that he like walks and he's so tall and lanky (laughs) is kind of of silly, but there's also something just kind of off-putting about the way that he just like strolls through the town. There's also that part where he strolls by when um, Mike is just out on the streets, the and ice he... cream sequence. Yes, but he sounds like he has on clogs. It's so fucking loud. Like his steps are so loud. As I'm not my man wearing clogs on the, on the streets, on the streets midday, dog. And then That's strikes crazy. the runway
1: pose once the once the once the mist hits.
0: Yeah, once that icy cold hits him, and he's like, oh, <laughs> wait, ooh, damn, yeah, and locks eyes with with uh mike and i also love too that he can talk and uh you know just and can communicate and kind of just works by day i'm like uh, he's really out there still having (laughs) (laughs) funerals yeah my man's still doing his clocking in and clocking out and still killing people in the in the process
1: yeah but and Again, not to the rewind too much on that, but like that's some of the parts where like the story and theme get a little foggy for me because we have mm-hmm. a lot of like not mic-related instances of these characters existing. But that, even that aside, I do think the tall man works very well. He, I mean, he predates Slenderman, but he feels like a very human mm-hmm. Slenderman in that way, where it's just like this ever-present figure um you know the the suit look also aids in that but it's just like this adult figure that is mm-hmm. represent representative of something that you are afraid of that is just always going to be there and just always finds a way to get you um it's yeah. it's very it, it's imposing and i think like although i wasn't afraid throughout the movie i do understand the fear towards that character mm-hmm. and like what he brings to the table
0: yeah. And I think, yeah, I think imposing is the right word for it. Cause a lot of, I think, the creepy, like, imagery that is memorable about the tall man is him just standing and staring. Mm-hmm. So, like, the thing where he's at the foot of Mike's bed and then they're in the cemetery. And then when he's like in the door and the door gets thrown off the hinges, all of that sort of stuff, I think, is very, very, very intimidating because he is such a serious, seeming character. Mm -hmm. And because he has a lot of like stillness, that I think is his strength. I honestly think his strength is when he's still and other people are doing his bidding than when he's like running around (laughs) when he's like shuffling around trying to trying to catch Mike. Um, because one of my favorite moments of this movie is actually post the spe- the sphere death which is is iconic mm-hmm. and i think it's what most people remember from this movie and i think it's really cool um i think it's it looks holds up pretty well actually um for me it's like obviously you can tell that uh, like you can see the makeup and all that stuff yeah. but it actually looks pretty cool and uh, we're we're going for more of like a like a giallo this is paint kind yeah. of look to the blood um and also the tall man's blood look like looks like mustard um when it's in the box but <laughs> it really <does. laughs> mustard dipping those fingers in mustard but um i i still think that that death is really cool i think that that's a really cool weapon and i love that he like the body pees itself or he's like pees after he dies or whatever. Um, (laughs) Little small touches. Yeah, it's the little things. Um, But, one of my favorite parts of that scene is after that happens and Mike and the tall men are just staring at each other and like slowly stepping towards, they're like mm. mirroring each other's <laughs> movements. And then Mike just books it. I don't, I love, I just love that part because I do think that that is a realistic, that to me is the one scene where I feel like Mike feels the most like a child. True. If that makes sense. Like just the way that he reacts and the way that he handles that, that to me is the scene where I'm like, this is the kid yeah. dealing with this situation for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> And then the last thing that I want to mention for this movie is the soundtrack. I love the theme.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love the Phantasm theme. It's it's. I think great. it's so good. I think it's really good. And I love how much it gets used in this movie. Cause, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, there's there's like a lot of lines in this movie, but there's also not. It, there's a lot of time where it's just visual. And there's just action. And so there's a lot of time that's available for them to just slip a spicy little theme song in there. And I love the Phantasm one. It's like all it's it's heavy on the synth yes, and it is. I, <laughs> very much heavy on the synth. It gives me that almost mellow, dramatic kind of like rock opera feel yeah. at times. But I think that it really fits this world of it kind of feels off in a way and it kind of feels like zany if that makes sense it's like hauntingly zany Mm -hmm. so it has it has a creepiness to it but there's also an a feeling of kind of everything just moving almost really fast and 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 everything feeling really intense in a way yeah. that I feel like works for what is happening on screen. It never feels out of place because like I said, there's a lot of this movie is Mike and Jody just fucking running around, breaking into buildings, having people jumping on their backs. Like yeah. there's a lot of there is a lot of moving parts in this. I feel like this theme song is like the perfect tempo and composition for what is happening on screen. Yeah. I, in this movie. I feel
1: that. I, I I agree with that. And like it's just kind of catchy too. And like any kind of fantasy story, horror or not, you got to have a catchy theme. It's just it's a necessity. Um so you know, slap as much synth as you got to as long as as long as the track slaps, I'm here for it
0: slap me with some sense if if it fits it fits so yeah shout out to fred miro or miro um who was the composer for for this movie you done good i very much appreciate it very much appreciate it i think that they kind of based the idea of this composition off of um like uh suspiria Mm. and what goblin did for that which I mean, I, I, you can tell that there's a lot of inspiration, I think, in this movie, um, because even the thing like the whole put your hand in this box, like that's straight out of Dune.
1: Yeah, entirely. So. <laughs> it's
0: literally the yeah, scene It's literally Dune. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm like, what is happening in this box? <laughs> you emulate what you
1: love, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I love that. The one thing, my last note that I did just want to mention, because it's the one thing where no matter how many times I watch this movie, I still don't understand. Who is Myrtle? Who is that black woman who walks out and scares
1: yeah, Reggie? Who, who and when and why? Who is that? <laughs> she had who to is have, she? She had to have been from one of the other plots that got cut. Had to have been. She,
0: she had to because she's in the movie for five seconds she comes out of a doorway and scares reggie and i'm like is this happening at mike and jody's house <laughs> and reggie and reggie says something like oh blah blah blah, myrtle and we never see or hear anything about her ever again so she must have been in a scene that hit the cutting room floor but myrtle who are you and why are you here <laughs> it's the one moment where every time i see it i'm like who is that that's the biggest question for me <laughs> in this whole movie.
1: Yeah, she really wasn't there for all of all of three <laughs> lines. That's kind of crazy.
0: <laughs> so shout out to Myrtle getting, getting, getting her screen time. Um, if anybody knows who she is and maybe I missed something, please let me know because like I said, that's the only thing that I don't still can't answer to this day. <laughs> to this day? <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Um, but... Uh we've gotta figure out what we're going to rate this movie out of. And honestly, we have a plethora of options. That's so
1: true. <laughs> Maybe too
0: many options for this particular movie. Yeah,
1: it kind of makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Um got any that have... that really stick out to you?
0: Um, we've got like like blood blood bath balls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how about blood bath bombs they're not really bombs but you know a <laughs> like, bath like
0: bath like bombs like <laughs> yeah let's do blood bath bombs <laughs> okay. why not um because i chose this one I, well, no, do you think you're, do you need a minute to kind of like digest and figure out where you're going, how you're going to rate this? I don't want to put you <sighs> on the spot.
1: <laughs> I think I do. I actually think I do. Okay. I'm, I'm almost there. I think I'm I settling, figured. but an okay. extra minute would be helpful.
0: Okay. I thought about that and I was like, let me not, let me not do that. <laughs> that's, that's disrespectful. Okay. I am going to give Phantasm gonna give it i a four point i think i'm gonna give it a 4.1 okay out of five blood bath bombs just because uh there is something about this movie that i really 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 like i just think that i i love the disjointedness of it i love how kind of disconnected and and strange the sequences feel but then at the same time there is this overarching story that makes sense about as much as you want it to make sense I guess you could say like to a degree there's a lot that I understand about this story but I do also like that it is kind of up to interpretation and you could kind of take this a lot of different ways and kind of settle on whatever feels good for you. And honestly, it would probably still make sense that way. I think that the imagery is really cool. I like the tall man a lot as a villain. I, like I said, love the soundtrack. And I think that there are some really great moments, like great sequences. The only thing I think that prevents me from putting it any higher is it's not one that I feel like is particularly easy for just like rewatches like i would never throw phantasm on just on a regular day to just hang out and watch Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely have to be in the mood for it and it doesn't always hold my attention the entire way through there are definitely moments that i really really love and that are like my favorite moments that i always am clocking in for but there are some moments where i kind of peter off of my attention and Although I like the length of it and what we were left with, I honestly feel like this is a movie where I wouldn't have minded just a few more scenes or a few more moments. And so comes out to like an hour 30 after all the cuts. Honestly, I think this is one that I wouldn't have minded like 10, 15 minutes more of just to get a little extra something, something. But As it is, like I said, I feel like it's really charming. I like the topics that it's dealing with. And although the acting at times is very, very cheesy and melodramatic, I think that fits the type of movie that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to do 4.1 bloodbath bombs out of five.
1: All right. Well, I think for me, I'm going to go ahead and settle on three out of five bloodbath bombs uh kind of in the middle there a little bit higher honestly it's hard for me because throughout this entire first watch i don't necessarily think phantasm was for me um because there were a lot of points in the in the film that although i was along for the ride and i was having a good time during like the really heightened points in the film um it was a bit of a slog for me in places and i do still stand by for me i actually think the movie dragged in certain places Um, and some of that could have been just from the disjointedness uh, or me and my brain just trying to catch up with the things that were happening but I I definitely felt myself checking in and out of this one while watching it however it is one of those movies that once it's done once you get to the ending and once you sit with it and resonate for a little bit I do I do see myself appreciating it more and I feel like some of the themes and the things that the movie we're trying to do are a bit clearer now after some conversation and some thought about it. And I do think that it is a fun movie. Um, and it's an enjoyable fantasy adventure ride with some spooky, creepy moments in there as well. Um, it just wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. And it's one of those mm-hmm. movies that I think I'd have to watch a couple of times to fully appreciate and understand. So mm-hmm. for today, we're going to stick with three out of five bloodbath bombs.
0: Okay. Okay. That's that's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> but, homies, we want to know what you think of phantasm you can let us know on our social media we are homies of horror on everything or if you prefer you can always email us we are homies of horror at gmail.com you can email us requests recommendations and business inquiries or if you'd like to come to the discord and chit chat with us and other homies the link for that is in our social media bio And if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, that means that it's Monday and that means that we are streaming on Twitch tonight. Twitch is where we play spooky games and hang out with the homies. So if you'd like to come through and say what's up, then you can find the link for that also in our social media bios. And last but never least... If you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better. Recommends our show to more listeners. And we just like to hear what you guys are thinking of the show. So if you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we'd love for you to. Or you can head over to Spotify to rate us. Just hit the stars underneath our name and that will leave a rating. But we hope that you homies enjoyed the phantasm talk today we will be back next time with roshane's pick
1: catch you next time homies
0: bye